Journey at Home. It is so good to be with you. As Pastor Josh said, uh, my name is Dave, and I get the joy and privilege of serving on the board here with various other guys. And I got to tell you, Journey Church, we were over Pastor Scott and Raquel's house just a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, and Pastor Scott was telling us all about what God is doing in Journey Church this year. And I, I got to tell you, my heart was excited. I was, I was thrilled to hear what's going on. And then he started to share a little vision of what God's giving him for 2022 at Journey Church. And I got to tell you, the best is yet to come. And uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm, I'm holding a gift. This might be the only unopened gift in all of Palm Beach County at this point because it's the day after Christmas, right? And so your house, like my house, underneath the tree, there are no unopened gifts. There might even be some wrapping paper and some empty boxes still there, but every gift has been opened. You might even be one of those families that you got a head start. You jumped in early. You started Christmas Eve. Any Christmas Eve gift families that are joining us, church at home, uh, or maybe you're the 12 days of Christmas kind of families. Uh, I, I never had that as a child. I had to beg and cry, scream and kick to uh, open up a gift on Christmas Eve. But I know that every gift has been open except this one. And you might be thinking, what's in the box? What's the gift? Well, I can tell you, Journey Church, it is not a black V-neck t-shirt for Pastor Scott. He has enough of those. And uh, I know that Pastor Josh has a little bit of a perspiration problem. Uh, it is not a towel for Pastor Josh to wipe his sweat from his brow. So what do you think's in the box? Well, actually what's in this box is really hard to contain. It was really hard for me to actually try and get it in this box. In fact, I'm a little worried about opening this gift right now because what's in this box literally has the potential to change. And you might be thinking, well, how's it going to impact me? How's it going to impact me at home? Well, what I can tell you is that what is inside of this box actually has the ability to go through this live stream right now and impact your life. And so let me get into this box right here and show you what I've... Did you experience it? Did you, did you get the gift? Uh, you might be thinking, well, that is an empty box. Well, see, what you didn't see inside this box is gratitude. And for just a few minutes today, I want to talk about the gift of gratitude. I, I believe that in our world today, there are so many people who have forgotten how to say thank you. That there are people who have forgotten to be full of thankfulness and gratitude. And this day, the day after Christmas, what a great time for us to be reminded and to be filled with gratitude. And what is gratitude? Gratitude is really simply this. Gratitude is recognizing the good. Recognizing the good. And if you're like me, that isn't always the most natural thing to do. Uh, I've got this problem. I often would walk into a room and I'll see what's wrong with the room. I'll, I'll count the light bulbs that are out. Uh, I'll go to a restaurant, I'll sit down and the whole experience, I'm evaluating the experience. I'm one of those guys, I've never owned a restaurant, never thought about owning a restaurant, but always tell people I could, I could do a better job. I could run this restaurant more efficiently because I am prone to complain. I'm prone to be ungrateful. See, grateful really is a choice. And to be full of gratitude is 
a choice. And gratitude is so powerful. The, the scriptures are full of images and pictures of gratitude and thankfulness. In fact, there's over 170 verses in scripture that talk about thanksgiving and gratitude from our hearts. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Again and again throughout the scriptures, we see the power of gratitude. And we're gonna look at one story today in Luke's gospel that's gonna help us really unpack this gift of gratitude and the power of what this gratitude can mean for our lives. It's found in Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 17. It's a story of Jesus entering a village. And here we'll read the text together. It says, and on the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back Praising God with a loud voice, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I wanna pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're grateful on this day after Christmas for the gift of your son Jesus and the truth of your word. I pray as we look at this text of scripture that it would come alive in our hearts and that you would help us to see all that Jesus intended from this interaction with these 10 lepers and that you would increase within us a heart of gratitude, amen. Now that's a big text of scripture and we can spend a lot of time talking about that village and, and how these lepers would have gotten there. And it's important for us to know that leprosy was a horrific disease attacking the skin and the, the nervous system and the, the mucous membrane so much so that they would say that, that noses would begin to fall off of people. Their ears would almost dissolve. Their fingers so injured and lame and falling off and their toes. And in that first century, someone with leprosy would be considered unclean and cleanliness had so much significance because of what temple worship would require of them. And so a leper would declare wherever he would walk, wherever he would go, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, unclean. And he would be expelled from their community and their villages. And they would end up living in these leper colonies, these leper villages. And it would be here that Jesus would make his way through the streets. And I love that scriptures tells us that there was 10 men there because misery loves company, doesn't it? Misery loves company. And sometimes we can get ourselves surrounded with people who have issues of pain and hurt. But here, these 10 men, 
They are yelling to Jesus. Of course, they can't come close to him because they are unclean, but they not only call out to him, Jesus, but, but Jesus, his reputation has gone before him. The power to heal, the rumors are getting out. They know that this Jesus, there's something special about him. And they say, Jesus, master. Oh, there's so much power just in that phrase, master. Why is master powerful? Because master reminds them that there is this authority and command that Jesus has over the, any situation. And they call him master, have mercy on us. And Jesus, he just simply speaks the word. Luke records it for us so beautifully. Luke says that they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus said, go, show yourselves to the priest for you're cleansed. And then Luke goes on to tell us that they weren't healed in that moment. They weren't physically healed in that moment. But as they went, as they put their faith into action, as they began to turn and make their way to the priest to show themselves as clean, because the priest would be needed to make that diagnosis so that they could return to their lives, they recognized that they were healed. But there was something different about one of those men. That man who Luke says was a Samaritan. And make no mistake about it, Luke is wise in his writing. Luke is a physician, a doctor. He's descriptive. Every detail matters. And he says that this man, a Samaritan, once he has turned and he begins to recognize that he has experienced physical healing, he doesn't go to the priest, but he turns back, praising God. And he falls at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And Jesus in that moment is astonished. And why is he astonished? Not only because the other nine didn't return, but the one who did was a Samaritan. See, Jews and Samaritans, they would never spend time together. They would never coexist or be together except for a marginalized and at outcast village of lepers. It would only be there that Samaritans and Jews would actually learn to live together because they only had each other because they were all unclean. But Jesus makes note, and Luke makes note of this, that this Samaritan man comes back. Why did the other nine not return? Why were they ungrateful? Why was there no expression of praise and, and thanksgiving to God? They were lacking gratitude. I would submit maybe there's probably four uh, potential barriers to gratitude, and I think there are potential barriers for us today as well. The first one would be the, the barrier of distraction. Distraction, I, I can't help but think that maybe they thought that as soon as they were healed that they needed to go back to the life that they were missing, the, the family that they had not seen, the restaurant that they had not eaten at. Whatever it was, they were distracted by something else that they didn't have. And so they didn't come back to Jesus. Sometimes I think distraction keeps us from expressing gratitude. The other thing I would say is that maybe there was some discontentment in their hearts. I mean, these men, scripture doesn't tell us how long they had leprosy and how long they suffered, but I wonder if those nine individuals who, who never returned to Jesus partly was because they were discontent. Why didn't Jesus show up sooner? I've had this leprosy for so long. Where has he been? And some of you might be battling with discontentment as well. And maybe the, the third barrier, the barrier of comparison. 
I, I can't help but think that maybe those lepers, as they began to leave, they began to compare their situation with the other nine lepers, and maybe one would be returning to a family, and, and one wouldn't be, and they started to compare, and they started to compete with one another, and what I can tell you is that comparison robs you of joy, and the only way to defeat comparison is gratitude to be thankful for what you have. And for most of us, yesterday up until about 12 or two o'clock in the afternoon, we were happy, we were grateful, we were, we were content. And then we got on social media and we saw what someone else got for Christmas. And we saw where someone else is gonna be going in a couple weeks. And all of a sudden that comparison of social media actually robbed us of our gratitude. Maybe the, maybe the fourth barrier is you. The fourth barrier is this idea of entitlement. And I, I really believe that entitlement is probably one of the most significant barriers to gratitude in our world and in our culture today. Maybe one of those nine guys or all nine of those guys felt that they were entitled to their healing, entitled to being set free, that they never thought they would have to go back. Entitlement truly robs us from the ability when we think that we are deserved something or that we're owed something. And see, I want, us to, I want us to break down these barriers of gratitude and I want us to be people who express it because gratitude has so much power. As we're gonna see in this story that not only was the 10 of those lepers, not only were they healed physically, but there was something different that happened with the Samaritan man who returned. And if you read the text carefully, you could see that there are two times that, that Luke talks about their physical healing. But when he gets to the last verse in that section, I believe it's, it's verse, uh, where is it? Verse 19, he says to this, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. When you look at that phrase, your faith has made you well in the original Greek, there's a different kind of healing that happens there. See, all 10 lepers received a physical healing, but that one leper that returned, he received a spiritual healing. That is the power of gratitude. Gratitude actually transforms our lives. And for this man, it took him not only from a place of physical healing, temporal healing, but eternal healing. The Greek word there, go, your faith has made you well, is the word sozo. And sozo means to save or to be healed. This is what that man experienced. And this is all throughout scripture, the power of gratitude. And it's, it's not just scripture, by the way. I mean, the world understands the power of gratitude as well. Now, there are so many benefits of gratitude. There's, there's psychological benefits. I mean, it transforms the way that we think and the, the way that we shape our thoughts. Uh, there's physical benefits of gratitude and there's social benefits of gratitude. I, I wish I could read all of the research, but I've compiled it into just a quote for you, just to see what the world says about the power of gratitude. Here's what it says. It says, a growing body of recent research findings shows that the disposition to be grateful has a robust association with multiple aspects of mental health. Man, I wonder if that's part of what the mental health crisis in our nation and our culture is all about because people have forgotten or lost the way to be grateful. 
And grateful people not only tend to show more fulfilling, meaningful relationships, but also lower rates of many psychological disorders such as depression and anxiety. There is no way around it. Gratitude has power. And as we approach the last week of the year, I'm praying and I'm believing that this will be one of the most grateful weeks of your life because it has so much power to change you from the inside out. So how do we, how do we build gratitude in our lives? How do we become grateful people? I think because gratitude is a choice, you actually have to choose to build it in two ways to build it today. The first one is this. You need to choose to curate gratitude. Curate. And you might be thinking, what in the world does it mean to curate? Well, here's the definition of a curator. To curate means to select, organize, and to look after items in a collection or an exhibit. And so to curate, think about a museum curator. Have you ever visited a museum? I I love to visit museums. Uh, uh, We were traveling this year. We went to the Yorktown Museum. We've we've been to the museums in in DC. We've been to the the Louvre, the most famous museum in all the world. And as we made our way through the Louvre, there was exhibits that you could get close to. And then there were exhibits that were so carefully curated that there was no way you were gonna get close. I mean, some pretty famous exhibits, right? So think about the Mona Lisa. I mean, the Mona Lisa is curated to perfection that no one can come close to the Mona Lisa. Uh, There's stanchions around her exhibit. There's a glass shadow box over that picture frame. And if you've ever been to the Louvre, you know that somewhat it's a disappointment to see the Mona Lisa because she's the size of a postage stamp on the wall and how far back you have to stand to see her. But it's curated. And if you're gonna be a person of gratitude, You have to do what that Samaritan leper man did. He went back, you need to turn back. And you need to turn back and look at the faithfulness and the goodness of God in your past. And you need to curate some moments. You need to create some some spiritual memorials. And this is biblical. I mean, we see this in various places in the Old Testament and I wish I could go into detail today, but. I challenge you to read Joshua chapter four this week. In Joshua chapter four, we see this story where Joshua tells the 12 tribes of Israel after they've crossed the Jordan River that they're to go back into the river and grab 12 stones and that they're to take these 12 stones and to create a memorial on the bank of the Jordan River and that every time their family would pass by those 12 stones that it would serve as a memorial. It was curated to be there, to to remind them of the provision of God, the providence of God, how God would walk them through, how God walked them through the Jordan River. And it wasn't just for them. Says that it was for the generations after them. So that when their children would come, their children would hear stories of God's faithfulness. Those 12 stones served as those spiritual memorials and you and I, We need spiritual memorials in our life. Why? Because we have spiritual amnesia. I mean, we forget the goodness of God. And God has done so much good for us. And so you need to be a curator. You need some God moments 
that you can, like those 12 stones, that you can stack and point yourself back to and be reminded of the goodness of God in the past. And you don't have to go far. One of my favorite practices at the end of the year, the 52nd week of the year, is to take a few days and to look back on the previous 51 weeks and look for those God moments, those blessings, those areas in my life where God showed up and did extraordinary things and to be grateful for them. And I wanna challenge you this week to, to carve out some time. It's simple. I mean, just grab your iPhone. If you're on an Android, we'll pray for you. But uh, grab, your, grab your iPhone, your phone, and just begin to go back and look at January 2021 and look for those moments and give God thanks. And maybe it's time to print a photo and to create a, a hallway of hope or a, a spiritual memorial or even a blessing box and go back and look at those things and prepare for those because as you curate a heart of gratitude, man, it's going to transform your life. If I was to do that, I wouldn't have to look back too far to find a God moment that I just have extreme gratitude for. And these don't have to be huge spiritual milestones like crossing the Jordan River. That's actually not mine. Mine's actually a little bit funny. And you might be thinking, really? That's a gratitude moment for you? It's a spiritual milestone? Yeah, for me it is. Uh, I ran my first 5K on Thanksgiving Day. It was called the Turkey Trot. I think we've got a picture of that. Uh, this is my wife and my, my sister-in-law and my brother and my nephew Grayson. Now, I have never run an official 5K. I've ran 5Ks on my treadmill and around the neighborhood, but I have never done this. And we were visiting family in Syracuse, New York. So there's, there's bonus points for the snow. I mean, I think it was Matt talking about how Florida doesn't have seasons. We escaped to the seasons, but we ran our first turkey trot. And man, I gotta tell you, it was an incredible experience for me. I ran that whole thing with the number 884 on my chest proudly as I ran through. I will not tell you my minutes that I ran that on, but this is in my blessing box, my memory box. This is a spiritual gratitude memorial for me. And you might be thinking, really, why? Because you finished a race? No, not because I finished a race. And I was exhausted when I finished the race. Look at this picture. I mean, I was toast. I, I mean, I am spent, Journey Church. Uh, I, I'm all done. I don't know that this would be a family tradition at all, but it's not because I finished the race, but go back to that previous picture of my family. This is why my brother, my brother, who 17 years ago, I received a phone call and it was a pretty frantic phone call. It was my family. I was living in Ohio at the time and they were all in New York. And I got the call that my brother was getting ready to go into emergency surgery, that he had a 6.6 .6 aneurysm on his aorta. And the doctors were worried and not sure what they were going to do. In fact, in surgery prep, they had some difficulties doing what they needed to do. And it was a chaotic moment in our family. My brother would successfully make it through that surgery, but he'd wake up with a mechanical valve. He'd be on medicine for the rest of his life. And if you get close enough to my brother, you could actually hear that mechanical valve tick. Time is evermore a precious gift for him. And so for me, what I'm most thankful for this Thanksgiving is that my brother is still alive and that my brother can run a race, that we can have memories together and moments together. And that is my gratitude to God. It doesn't have to be crossing a Jordan River moment. It could be a family moment. It could be a blessing, but you need to curate those moments. 
The second thing that you need to do is you need to cultivate gratitude. Choose to cultivate gratitude. This is what cultivate means. Cultivate simply means this. It means to try to acquire or develop a quality sentiment or skill. To cultivate actually means to, to do the hard work. I mean, a curator, they wear white gloves so nothing get damaged in the museum. But cultivators, man, they wear dirty gloves. Cultivators, they've got blisters on their hands. They are doing the hard work of prepping and planting. And some of you, some of us, if we're going to be people full of gratitude, we've got to cultivate it. We just gotta start giving thanks. And we've gotta give thanks in the hard times and in the good times. I love what the apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verses 16, 17, and 18. He says this, he says, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for who? For you. You wanna know what the will of God is for the rest of the year and the coming year? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. And what Paul says there is he says, in, not for all circumstances. And without question, some of you are in some of the most difficult seasons of your life. And Paul doesn't say pray for, but he says, pray in, give thanks in all circumstances. See, gratitude is something that we have to curate to look back on, but it's something that we need to do. And maybe to be a curator, you create that blessing box to store those memories, but to be a cultivator, maybe this year you, you buy 12 notes and you challenge yourself to write one thank you note a month in 2022. Or maybe you get a gratitude journal beside your bed and you begin to Write out your gratitude, the things that you're thankful for. There's actually this term in science called neuroplasticity regarding our brains, that we could actually rewire our brains, not to be people who complain and have ingratitude all the time, but to be people who are full of thanksgiving, people who are full of gratitude. But that neuroplasticity, that that needs to be rewired in our brain. And we need to be people who give thanks. Why? Because of what happened to that Samaritan man. See, before he was physically healed, he was on the side of the street yelling, Jesus, master, have mercy on me. But when he recognized that Jesus had healed him physically and he came and he expressed gratitude to Jesus, Luke tells us that he fell at his feet, giving him thanks. See, gratitude moves us closer to God. And I don't know about you, but this year, this last week, and moving into 2022, I wanna be closer to God more than ever before. And James reminds us that as we draw close to God, he draws close to us. And so my challenge for you, Journey Church, is what memory do you need to curate from this last year? What, what memory do you need to curate and, and celebrate the faithfulness of God? And who from this last year do you need to thank? Who do you need to express your heartfelt gratitude towards? I challenge you to take the time to do it this week because how you end this year determines how you start next year. 
I wanna, I wanna challenge you to choose gratitude because you're gonna be thankful you did because there is so much power and gratitude. It transforms you from the inside out. And a journey, that's what we're about. We're about transforming lives. And so we're gonna be people full of gratitude. I wanna pray for us before we wrap up our time together today. I wanna pray really kind of two prayers. I wanna pray this first prayer that all of us would be those kinds of people, like the Samaritan man who turned back, and this year turned back, look back on the faithfulness of God. Because as you curate and cultivate gratitude in your heart, you are going to see and experience the will of God, and you're gonna have faith and expectation for the coming year. I wanna pray that over us. And the second prayer, simply for those of you that it's hard for you to be grateful, because really you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you stumbled upon this live stream or somebody shared it with you and we just wanna give you a moment today to recognize your need for a relationship, not a religion. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. What he did to those 10 lepers had nothing to do about religion. It had everything to do about relationship. And that man, that Samaritan man, he experienced relationship out of his gratitude and recognition in who Jesus is. And some of you, you need to recognize who he is and surrender your life to him. I wanna pray for us. And so Jesus, we're so grateful for this story in Luke's gospel that reminds us that you didn't only come to work in our lives in the temporal for momentary healings, but to actually work in our hearts eternally to save us and to forgive us of our sins. And I pray as, as followers of you, Jesus, that we would be people who curate and cultivate gratitude. We would be known as people of thanks. And for those of you that are questioning your relationship with Jesus, just praying this prayer over you. And you could pray a simple prayer like this as well. I pray that you would know Jesus, that you would confess your belief in him, that you would say that you know that he died a death for you and that he rose again conquering death, hell, and the grave to reestablish what had been broken and to give you relationship with God the Father, that you would understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that you would come to him and that you'd have relationship with him. That's our prayer for you. And that's our prayer today, this week, God, help us to be those kinds of people that express and extend gratitude to a world that needs it, but most importantly, back to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen.